Soil Talk podcast. I am your host, Tim Mundorf, Nutrient Management Lead with Central Valley Ag. In Soil Talk, we will dive into managing soil fertility and applied nutrients while pursuing top yields. I think we're doing things a little different today. Instead of uh, Soil Talk listeners just having to listen to I, you and I go on and on, we've got a guest today. Yes, yes we do. And, and Kurt actually went to a good school, unlike you, so... <laughs> I'm surrounded by cowboys. That's right. Yeah. So, Kurt, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do for Mosaic. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me on today. Kurt Wolfolk with the Mosaic Company. Uh, I'm manager of our crop nutrition technologies. Primary role uh, is education, basically agronomic training, training on performance products for both retail customers, growers, and also some training with our internal staff. So Mick and I were down in Florida recently taking a tour of your guys' mines and your processing facility and kind of understanding how how some of your uh, fertilizer products are made and, and maybe their fits agronomically. Of course, both Mick and I have spent uh, quite a little bit of time um, working in soil fertility. So we had some knowledge of it, but it was kind of eye-opening to go down there and see how uh, all that's done. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about how the fertilizer is manufactured down there? Absolutely. We were ha- happy to have both of you down there and we had nice weather. So uh, great learning experience. Anytime you get the opportunity to uh, join us for one of our tours of a phosphate plant or a potash mine, that's uh, always, as you mentioned, Tim, that's always uh, pretty enlightening for a lot of people. But basically, as we as we look at how phosphate production occurs, it's important to understand that that by MAP or microcentrals or a phosphate product in North America, that comes from Central Florida, what we call the Bone Valley. And that's the only place uh, really in North America, not the only place, but that's the most sizable place. The phosphate reserves that we have, it's phosphate uh, rock. So it's not soluble uh, in water. So when we think about hurricanes and some of the Florida weather, we don't have to worry about any of that dissolving or, or posing an environmental concern. So what we do with the phosphate rock is we use drag lines and these drag lines are running 24 seven. We take that phosphate rock and we take it up to a manufacturing facility. We use sulfuric acid to basically break the bonds between the calcium and the phosphate apart. That gives us the opportunity to make a water soluble phosphate fertilizer. And then we basically dispose of the calcium off to the side. It forms gypsum. So if you've ever been to Florida and seen some of the mountains of Florida, it's fairly flat in Florida. Those big piles you see outside of Tampa are actually gyp stacks. Now, going back to the phosphate fertilizer, once we have basically broken that bond with sulfuric acid, uh, as a side note, it's interesting that the breaking of that bond generates quite a bit of heat and actually allows us to produce steam and power to run all of our drag lines and, and manufacturing facilities across Mosaic. So it's, it, it's very neat how that process works with the cogeneration of that sulfuric acid plant. We then basically take that uh, phosphate and take it into our uh, granulators or our manufacturing plants. And that's where we really get the opportunity to decide what all needs to be added, depending on the product that we're trying to build. So in the case of MAP, which is monammonium phosphate, it is a uh, one-to-one ratio, what we call a molar ratio of ammonia to phosphate. And once we run a particular pH and heat within these massive 
concrete mixers or cement mixers, if you will, we call those granulators. We end up with a dry granular fertilizer that you use on your farm. And uh, that's how we end up with the 11520. So if we take two moles of ammonia along with one of phosphate rock, we end up with what's called DAP, which is diammonium phosphate, and 18460. So, you know, and as we go a little bit deeper into that, as we start creating the microessentials SZ products, we have the ability to add two forms of sulfur and zinc in there within the granulation process to, to make that product. So when you think about the MAP versus the MES, you know, you guys probably uh – have been producing MAP for, for decades. What made you decide to, to produce MES as kind of a more of a, oh, a boutique product or more agronomically fitting product, um, trying to bring in some more nutrients than just phosphorus and a little bit of nitrogen? Now, that's an excellent question. You know, if we look back on the history of a fertilizer, more specifically on phosphate fertilizer itself, Single superphosphate was, it's been around for 100 years. And then we evolved into the, in the 50s and the 60s into what was called a triple superphosphate. And then around the 60s, we decided uh, that adding ammonia or building an ammoniated phosphate would be a really good solution. And uh, that really became commonplace there in the 60s. So Mosaic in 2000 uh, started getting requests uh, at that time, a lot of those requests were coming from Western Canada on how to add forms of sulfur and forms of sulfur because of their blends with ammonium sulfate and elemental sulfur. It, would it be possible to take one of our ammoniated phosphate products like monammonium phosphate, 11520, add additional nutrients into that package or in each granule? And so really all of this started out of a request in Western Canada and that, that product of Microessentials S15 was designed more for canola and was rolled out in full commercial launch in 2000. And then we fast forward a couple of years in 2004, we started seeing much uh, of a similar request on, on corn ground for the need for zinc. We continued to see our zinc test levels dropping and people requesting a, a, a ammoniated uh, phosphate product with sulfur and zinc in it. So 2004 is when Microessentials SZ was born and has been a, a phenomenal product and is basically our, our flagship product across Microessentials lineup. It's been a good fit for Central Valley Ag. What we find in a lot of our trade, terri- trade territory is you know, we've got a lot of livestock producers and those guys have got a history of manure application. Well, they're picking up both sulfur and zinc in the manure and it leads to both of them being a little higher. So they don't have as much need. But for the guys that don't have a, a long history of manure application, it seems like both are quite low. So when we bring in a product like Microessentials uh, SV, we're able to bring in both the phosphorus they need and uh, some of the zinc. They need. So, Kurt, you know when you're uh, when you're out there doing your training and trying to help uh, you know agronomists understand, you know what's the fit for MAP, what's the fit for uh, Microessentials SZ. You know what points do you make? I think the most important point, a uh, bit of the obvious point, is you're dealing with two different levels of phosphate in each of those products, and so we look at the way that fertilizer is the analysis of fertilizer on a weight basis. 
And so we just talked about 11502O, of course, 11% nitrogen, 52% P2O5. The MicroEssentials product, specifically the MicroEssentials SZ product, in order to make room for two forms of sulfur and 1% zinc, we had to reduce some of the phos acids. So we had to reduce some of the P2O5 levels in that product. And so that gave us an analysis of 12% nitrogen, 40% P2O5, 10% sulfur with with a split, a 50-50 split, 5% is sulfate, 5% elemental sulfur. And then last but not least is 1% zinc. And so that's that's basically the the analysis or difference, uh, yeah, different analysis for those two products. And Mick, you've been using both those products in your innovation trials. What's your experience been with them? You know, Tim, I, I really like the Micro Essentials SC and, and where that fits. Uh, one of the unique things with the, with the product is it gives you a great blend of how products can actually, uh, the product itself can meet your nutrient needs no matter where you're at. Uh, we utilize it as a base fertility package in our plots uh, from Cuba, Kansas to Polk, Nebraska to Norfolk, Nebraska, and then into Akron, Iowa. And I'll tell you what, it's pretty easy to balance nutrients out when you use Microessentials SC. And Tim, just to just to build on that a bit, you asked about you know the training piece, the the, the time we spend with both retail sales agronomists and growers is really um, the different features and benefits of that microessentials SE product. So it's important to understand, uh, especially as you're looking at at MAP or even some competitive products or products that may look like microessentials SZ. Some of the key talking points or features are that uniform nutrient distribution. So when we think about zinc, especially, there are 17 essential nutrients in total. Eight of those are micronutrients. They're not less important, but they're called micronutrients because they're needed in much smaller amounts. Generally, ounces per acre rather than pounds per acre, like we typically talk about with the macros. So being able to apply micronutrients and use a macronutrient like a phosphate uh, granule as a carrier. Think about a tank mix and putting an active ingredient within that tank mix. We're doing the same thing with microessentials. We're doing a better job of distributing and spreading that zinc across the field, especially for zinc when you think about diffusion and interception uh, as uptake mechanisms, that becomes extremely important. When we think about key feature number two, it's increased nutrient uptake. Even if you try to make a blend that looks like Microessentials SZ with the same analysis, you won't get the same benefits. The elemental sulfur component within Microessentials SZ actually oxidizes over time. And it's a microbial process. It's a biological process. That process uh, actually releases small amounts of acidity. And while that acidity is not going to change your soil pH, it does form a small microzone of acidity that prevents calcium and other ions in the soil from tying the phosphate up. And so it leaves it available longer to the plant. So we see anywhere from a 20 to 30% increase in phosphorus uptake across various crops compared to a comparable MAP blend. So just as an example, a MAP ammonium sulfate, zinc sulfate blend is quite common in the field. And we will see better performance from microessentials 
than you would with that blend. Feature number three I've already touched upon is the two forms of sulfur. So again, it's a 1240-010-1 for the analysis that 10% sulfur is 5% sulfate sulfur and 5% elemental sulfur. By having those two forms of sulfur combined in the same granule, you get both the early and the late season needs. When we look at sulfur nutrition, for corn, for example, needs about one, uh, one, one-tenth pound of sulfur for every bushel of production. But we all know that sulfate is a mobile nutrient. We can lose that deeper in the profile than it can be taken up in, in some cases. It's important to have both that, that fast and that slow-release sulfur in that grain. You know, when we start talking to a grower, of course, Mick and I both have a little bit of background in laboratories, but we always start with a soil test. And we kind of let that soil test guide a little bit the direction we're going to want to take with that grower. If he's he's got really poor soil fertility, really low phosphorus values, and pH can make a difference too. But let's just say he's got low phosphorus values and a neutral to acidic um, pH. We'll probably push him toward uh, MAP just for the the value of the higher phosphorus content in the MAP. But we, what we might do is do a MAP. Uh, micro essentials SZ blend and try to bring in some sulfur and zinc in that dry program because generally like we said before when you're really low on phosphorus oftentimes you're also really low on zinc and Kurt you made a really good point when you try to put out five pounds of zinc and zinc sulfate you know maybe one plant out of ten is actually going to have a prill that lands next to us versus if you can use something like uh, MESZ we've got a lot better chance of getting that zinc uh, to each individual plant. Um, when we've got guys who have higher fertility, you know, they're just mainly focused around crop removal, trying to, you know, at least offset a, some, some of what's going out in the truck, but don't need to try to build soil test levels anymore, or maybe only need just a slight build. Then we might make the entire program uh, all around uh, MESC or micro essentials SC. So, yeah. Yeah, Tim, that's a, that's a good call out. There's uh there's definitely an efficiency that comes from proper distribution. You know, a lot of times it's not a problem of rate. It truly is a problem of, of getting that nutrient where it's needed. And so just as an example, uh, you mentioned that five pounds of zinc sulfate in a blend. We, we hear that often. A lot of the university research work that was done in the past would call for five. And in some cases, even 10 pounds of zinc sulfate or zinc per acre in broadcast situations and five pounds banded. You look at the price of zinc sulfate today, you know, there's a lot of global demand for galvanizing steel. And if you look at the demand for zinc across the world, it becomes almost cost prohibitive to try to put five to 10 pounds of zinc using zinc sulfate. So we see a lot of, we see a lot of growers in that two to five pound range. So just as an example, uh, a football field is just a little bit larger than an acre. We know that an acre, you know, is 43,560 square feet. Um, if you apply 200 pounds of microessentials SZ, okay, that's going to give you two pounds of zinc per acre. We find a very similar to performance to if you were to try to apply eight pounds using zinc sulfate. So there's about a three to four X efficiency there on the zinc piece by using a co-granulated product like SZ versus trying to build a blend to look 
look like look like microessentials SE. And Mick, I know we've had good luck applying uh, microessentials SE even in extremely high fertility environments, uh, 50, 60 part per million phosphorus. Now, again, we don't recommend that growers um, go try to build soil test levels from there. We don't even recommend that they necessarily replace crop removal, but just apply something, right? Exactly, Tim. You know, uh, we're fortunate to have some higher fertility truck fields that we have trials in, and some of that work that we've been doing there is is adding microessentials SC in, in our trials, and that's been in our data books for the past two years, and, and we tend to see that microessentials SC uh, demonstrating the highest yield response uh, to any of the mixtures that we've added to those trials. And a lot of that is the co-granulation process, but the fact that some of our phosphorus recommendations in the past have been based on 50 to 70 years, years ago when they were built and we're in a different time and in a different environment with these hybrids today than, than we were at that point in time. I know you've had pretty good luck with somewhere around 30, 40 pounds of P205, you know, really only a third to half a crop removal on good high yield uh, corn, especially, or, you know, good high yield soybeans. You're probably more in that half to a little bit more range of crop removal, but basically we're just replacing about half of what's going out in the, in the grain truck. It's kind of a difference we see between soluble nutrients or soluble fertilizer nutrients versus soil nutrients. The soil test never was made to be exact, to show us exactly what's available to the plant. And especially as we push into higher populations with smaller rooting systems, um, seems like we get some benefit from some of these nutrients, even in an area where we're putting down starter fertilizers. Definitely, Tim. You know, I look, think back to that data from the past two years, we're right around 15 bushel in corn as a yield advantage. And uh, you know, and that's including some very high fertility fields that are 40, 50 part per million P. Uh, we're seeing those, we're still seeing that 15 bushel yield response uh, with the microessentials SC product. You know, we always want to balance out a little bit the, the pollution, water pollution issues and that. Um, but when we're putting down less than we're taking out, and especially when we're putting it down in a strip till type rig, I'd say we've got pretty pretty low impact of the environment, if anything, actually, um, you know, compared to other ideas like either tillage or, uh, you know, manure application, we're probably doing a pretty darn good job of limiting any negative impact we might have out there. Kurt, is, is Mosaic uh, continuing to see a little bit of pressure on the environmental side, you know, for soil fertility and, and those type of things and taking an active role? We do. Our public affairs team spends uh, a lot of time across various boards and looking state by state, obviously, as we as we submit our registrations for each of our products by state, it's important for us to keep in tune with what each of those states' uh, concerns are. You know, just as an example, in Ohio, when we think about Toledo and the drinking water situation that happened several years ago, uh, we 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 take. We, we take a hard look at strip till versus conventional tillage. How are our products being used? What level of responsibility do we have with education? How can a product like Microessentials SZ 
with the two forms of sulfur and that zinc get more uh, phosphorus into the plant rather than into the ditch. Not only does it uh, pose an environmental concern, but it only makes sense as a grower myself. If I pay for a granular fertilizer, I want that fertilizer to benefit my crop and my yield and don't want that going into my drinking water or uh, any other kind of environmental concern that might be had. So we, we take that very seriously. <clears throat> you know, our uh, social responsibility, environmental responsibility measures, uh, I feel like are, are, are top class. It's a pretty good overview of what we're doing on the phosphorus side. Kurt, if you've got time, I think we'll have you stick around and we'll record another episode to talk about some of the potassium products that uh, Mosaic's working with as well for our growers. Anything you want to add for our growers here before we wrap this segment up? No, I think this has been a, a great recap, Tim, just uh, talking about microessentials and MAP and some of the applications that we've got in different fits. Uh, I think you guys, you and uh, Mick both did a great job of talking about those higher yield or next level situations where microessentials SZ is a good fit. You know, many times I hear growers say, I just feel like I've hit a ceiling. I don't know where to go next with my balanced crop nutrition. So beyond those six macronutrients that we talked about, so many times we spend all of our time concentrating on that nitrogen, that phosphorus, potassium. We, we sometimes lose sight of that sulfur, that zinc, the boron, or those eight micronutrients. And truly, how do we take our yields to the next level? Yeah, Mick and I are definitely believers in that all-around balanced fertility, um, covering all the different bases. And we try to integrate the soil test, the, the plant tissue testing, and the fertility products that we're looking at and try to take a systems approach. Um, population as well, um, method of delivery, you know, where we're at in our footprint, we've got quite a few irrigated growers. If we can take advantage of that, we do as well. So yeah, that's one reason Microessentials SC has been a key tool for us is, is it brings in multiple nutrients, covers a lot of bases for us, and lets us uh, you know, have a good base for building a soil fertility program around. But uh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for listening to Soil Talk uh, today. Catch us for the next episode and we'll continue this conversation and move on to some of the potassium products that uh, we see from Mosaic and how those might fit into your operation. With Mick Godekin and Kurt Wolford, Tim Mundorf. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Soil Talk. If you'd like to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at ACS by CVA. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Central Valley Ag. If you'd like more information, visit cvacoop.com and you can see our agronomy focus blog series every other Thursday. With Soil Talk, this is Mick Godekin and Tim Mundorf.